Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast, where we take your questions from Sunday's teachings in order to form a dialogue about the scriptures and what God is teaching each and every one of us. Well, welcome back to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Here today is January 23rd, and we were in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13, looking at verses 13 through 52 here this morning. We actually had live Q&A in the service today, so that was that was neat. That was wonderful. We do that once a month, but uh, just as a remember, if you're, if you're listening to the podcast, you already know this, but uh, we want to create a dialogue. The reason that we do this, we want to create a dialogue uh, around the scriptures, and because we believe that God transforms us through the authority of His Word, and so um, love taking the questions in the service, and uh, and even every week as we get to have this conversation on the podcast. And today, I'm joined by uh, Chris Akers, who is our pastor of worship here. Hello, good to be with you. Glad to be here. Yeah. So Chris is going to set all of my heresy straight here today. <laughs> And, uh, but Chris, for, uh, for those who don't know the ins and outs of what it means to be a worship pastor, what is your, yeah, what is your life? What does your week uh, typically look like here at, at church? Yeah. So it's, it's a wonderful calling where basically I spend most of my time thinking a lot about how the church, uh, sings its faith, how the church walks, uh, out their faith in, in, in gathered settings and then yeah. as they go. And, and so I'm working constantly to uh, strengthen teams, shepherd teams that then come together on Sunday mornings yeah. to lead gathered worship, also have rehearsals off of Sundays. Uh, other, other than that, yeah, just a lot of shepherding people and, cool. and putting systems in place and um, yeah, praying that the church moves forward with a song in its heart that motivates them to uh, walk with the Lord and, and share the gospel. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And we are we're grateful for you to be able to serve here, serve the Lord here well and uh, and lead us into God's presence each and every mm. each and every Sunday in those unique elements, right? When we have worship nights and those kind of yeah. things that really yep. usher us to experience God's yeah, his presence, the joy of his presence and and be reminded Martin Luther was a a big fan mm-hmm. of sung worship, right? Uh, and so I, I think as we sing worship and as you lead us into that sung worship, we're rehearsing deep truths about who God mm-hmm. is and the promises of eternal life. And so mm-hmm. Luther famously was a big fan of, uh, of sung worship for the fact that it, it helps people memorize and hold on to mm. the core truths of our faith. So thanks for leading us well into that arena. Grateful to have Luther in my corner. Aren't yeah. we all? Aren't <laughs> we all? Well, this, this morning here, we had, uh, like I said, we had live Q&A in the service, and we had really kind of two different sets of questions, which was, mm beautiful and amazing, right? It was wonderful. Um, and so that's really why we do this. We want to, we want to have this dialogue, but one of the questions that came up in both services, and I think is a really important discussion, and you and I were even kind of hashing it out here ahead of hitting the record button, is this, uh, is this idea of empathy and Mm -hmm. what really is empathy In, in the passage? I just, I unpacked a little bit today here that, um, again, Paul is given a chance to speak and he speaks about that God is the central authority of our redemption, right? So he presents the gospel, uh, verses 16 to 41, over 16 or so times. He's God is the central architect, right? He's the one that is coming to redeem. It's all on his action. He's doing it. He did it. We yep. messed it up. We continue to mess it mm-hmm. up. We keep messing it up. Um, and, and, and so as we do that, but there's also this note and this tone, right? So Paul and the guys are in this unlikely place. They're out of the way town. Mm. They're speaking to out of the way people. And we see it throughout the passage that 
the historically Jewish folks really get riled up, or a group of this historically Jewish folks who are in this, this region that they're in, in Antioch of, Pis- of Pisidia, they get riled up, and they're, mm. they're angry, they're jealous. The text literally says in verse 50, they were jealous. Um, and, and we talked a little about that in second service, that they're jealous probably because, well, the gospel confronts their, you know, their brokenness. Mm-hmm. They're jealous uh, because Paul is now, he showed up and now everybody really likes him. Yeah. Right? And they're jealous. They're jealous. They're angry because Paul is including those who, in their minds, should not be included. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole complex set of context to this, to their, to their experience. And it's, and they've experienced legitimately uh, wrong things, right? Mm-hmm. Injustices, the hands of the Romans, the Babylonians, the unspeakable uh, things, right? Yep. I mean, it goes back 700 mm-hmm. years. And so their solace has been in this, this sense of national identity. And now mm-hmm. Paul's inviting and saying, everybody gets included. Mm. And they're going, no, no, that's not right. Um, but in that we, we feel this thing uh, in Paul is that there's this sense of I, mean, I use the word empathy here today mm. and throughout a quote by pastor Eugene Cho, who encourages us that as Christians, we can disagree on solutions, right? Mm. Uh, especially when it talks about solving the problems of the world, we can disagree on solutions, sure. but we should never disagree on empathy. And so, um, so this word, this empathy word mm. uh, really generated a conversation, which I yeah. think is great, right? Yes. We want to talk Absolutely. about this stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, so as you were chewing on it, because we talked about both in first and second services in the questions, um, when you hear the word empathy, Chris, yeah, just what do you think of, how would you define it, you know, or what, mm-hmm. what were you wrestling with in that, con- in that teaching context? Yeah, empathy has always been something that I know growing up, it's, it's a word that would be kicked around, and it was something that I felt like I maybe had something of a, a calling toward or, or a gifting yeah. in, uh, being able to kind of put myself in someone else's shoes. Yeah. And that's how I've always understood the word to mean that, yeah. that you, you have done the extra work to not just sit across the aisle or something and, yeah. and listen and, and not do the hard work of trying to understand why a person feels the way they do or, yeah. or where they're coming from. Empathy really seeks to bridge that gap and yeah. say, okay, maybe I haven't experienced everything that you did, yeah. but um, but when I pause and think about yeah. who you are and what you've shared with me, then, then I start to be able to put myself in your shoes. And yeah. that's, what, that's what I understand the word to mean. And I, I know that, you know, where I was sitting in the in the gathered yeah, space this yeah. morning, what's, what's neat when you come on Sundays, you kind of, you sit around other people and yeah. you tend to converse with them as the sermon's going on or afterward. Wait, what? You talk I while mean, the sermon's happening? I mean, <laughs> no, I reserve that for the singing times only. There we go. Um, there we go. Yeah. No, we just started kicking around. Well, what does, how do we as 21st century listeners, yeah. uh, audience, uh, understand that word and especially you know as as Cho yeah. used it what what does it mean to always agree on empathy yeah well we we need to have a i guess an agreed upon definition yeah because because what are we saying about god yep and what are we saying about ourselves so yeah uh, i'm i'm waxing on here but but basically when when i think about his quote yeah. which was kind of the launching point of the conversation, it's easy for me to agree that, yes, Christians should agree on empathy and go to mm-hmm. every length to empathize because, but for the grace of God, yes, 
who are we? Who are we? Oh, and, yeah. and if I just pause and think for five seconds, I know yeah. exactly who I'd be yeah. without God. So if I can enter any conversation, any difficult conversation with somebody I maybe disagree with, yeah, then that, if I pause and think about it and think about who they are, yeah, then, then it, I've started from a much better place. Yes. Yeah. But but the question really kind of revolved around okay what does it mean that God can empathize mm-hmm. yeah with us yeah I think I mean and I love the way that you said that there and even as you're chewing on it right I think again if we're going to be salt and light if we're going to bring grace and truth you know uh, these are two biblical phrases in the New Testament that Jesus uses um, if if we're going to have that or, or used of Jesus John chapter one verse fourteen Jesus came in grace and truth um, if we're going to have that we do need to empathize with. Right. And I think I think it's what we see in Paul's posture, even as he goes into this. And we're going to see it as the as the missionary trips increase. Mm. Paul is going to be empathetic. He's going to feel for people. He feels for the lost Israelites that are in that synagogue. Absolutely. Because he was a lost Israelite, Mm -hmm. you know. And so at some level, I think what you said there is that when I, especially when I go into a conversation with someone that I know I'm probably going to disagree with, right? Let's just say maybe it's a theological conversation mm-hmm. I disagree with, or frankly, a political conversation mm-hmm. that I disagree with, right? Um, because my experiences or whatever have led me to have this other view. Um, the thing that we should not do <laughs> is is not empathize with them mm-hmm. or, or not empathize for whoever we're talking about, right? Whatever's, whatever we're talking, whatever issue we're talking around. And, um, because I think we, like you said, but for the grace of God, we are all hopelessly lost. Yep. We're all hopelessly lost. And that's exactly what Paul presents in that, in his, uh, appeal of the gospel there. If it wasn't for God giving a judge, if it wasn't for God giving a King, if it wasn't for God leading through David. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's an important posture interpersonally that we have there, but just as a definition, the definition of, in, of empathy that I, um, you gave him, I think in both hours there, mm. um, probably hit it on a little bit more in the second hour. We had, we had a little more robust conversation in the Q and a time about it is that empathy is when I actively feel what someone else is feeling. Now that does not mean that in order to empathize with somebody, I have had to experience what they've experienced. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's actually, I think, a great lie of the modern age that we live in. And I've heard this in counseling settings over and over again, where they say, mm. you haven't gone through this, so you don't know. Well, there's, you're right. I haven't gone through that, so I don't know it exactly, mm-hmm. but I can still empathize with you. Absolutely. Right? And so it's wrong for me to pretend like, oh, yeah, I went through the exact same scenario if I haven't. Don't do that. That's not empathy. <laughs> that's pretending. Uh, and that's, that's, that's uh, yeah, it's just, it's just bad um, and condescending. Mm. But, but you, I mean, Chris, you, you and I have grown up in different places. We've had different experiences, but I can still empathize with you. Absolutely. Right. And so, so the, I think a lie of the modern age is that in order to have empathy, I have to have had the exact same experiences you have had. Mm. And, and I think a second lie of empathy in the modern age is that empathy actually requires affirmation. And that, that's just not true. Empathy has never, ever meant that. Mm. right? Empathy is me willingly and actively feeling what you're feeling, mm. trying to understand your feelings. That does not mean the reason your, your feelings are valid. And it's, I said this in second service, yeah. yep. right? Danielle and I often, I mean, we work through this in our marriage, right? When we're fighting mm. or with our kids, the feeling that I have is valid. I'm feeling a real feeling. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm feeling it 
might not be valid. Uh-huh. Right? Now, that's a that's a separate conversation. Mm-hmm. But when I'm fighting with my wife, I may disagree about why she's feeling. <laughs> but it doesn't help me to not empathize with her. Yeah. Right? It doesn't help us heal our marriage when I go, you're wrong to feel that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yep. So empathy is entering into the space to go, I hear you. I feel for you. I understand you. I see you. I yep. see your validity as a person, as a human there you being, go. Yep. all those kind of things. And I think then even you raise the question here theologically, what does it mean that God empathizes with mm-hmm. us? Because mm-hmm. in Hebrews, we have a we have a high priest who sympathizes with us, mm-hmm. as most of our English translations sure. render it. Yep. But I think in the Greek, it's a much more, it's a, it's a deeper word than that, mm-hmm. than just our sympathies. So here's the way I understand it, and I want to hear your thoughts on it too, is that, Empathy is when I feel for somebody, right? That moves me to sympathy is when then I move to have compassion Mm -hmm. on somebody. And compassion is my willingness to act on somebody's behalf, right? Mm -hmm. So I I feel empathy. I feel for you. uh, I have compassion. I move to sympathy and then move to compassion, right? It's moving me in this this trajectory of action Mm -hmm. on your behalf. Well, God feels for us. Mm -hmm. He entered into our space. And literally, I mean, the Gospels record that Jesus literally felt the chasm mm. of relational fracture yes. on the cross. Mm-hmm. He cries out, you know, my, you know, Abba, Abba, Father, yes. Father, why have you forsaken me? It's mm. not Jesus going, eh, this is mildly inconvenient. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a bummer. Yeah. It, Jesus literally felt the weight of our relational break with the father, but he did not sin. Hebrews Mm -hmm. tells us that he did Mm -hmm. not sin. Mm -hmm. So again, we don't have to experience everything that someone's experienced to be empathetic, uh, but it moves us. Empathy is a part that it moves us then on towards compassion. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, as you, as you wrestle through that, what do you, how do you think about that? I I think the way that you just kind of worked the inner relationship between empathy, sympathy, and compassion was really helpful to think about one motivating the next motivating the other. And all of this, uh, as I think about these, as we're dialoguing about it yeah. right now, um, for me, it, it all comes back to, as Christians, what is our main goal in every conversation we enter into? Yeah. Is it to win an argument? Yeah. Uh, present all the truth, like you were talking about in, yeah. in the service, or is it to win a heart Yeah. for Jesus and, and to present the winsome, compassionate heart yeah. of Jesus? Yeah. How do we get there? We yeah. get there by the motivation of empathy. I've I've yeah. done the hard work of stopping thinking only about myself, yep. but thinking also about you. Not yeah. to say that I agree with everything, no. but to say you are made in the image of God just like me. Yeah. I'm a sinner just like you. you. Yep. I can empathize with that. Yeah. That gives me sympathy because we're in the same plight. Yep. Oh, let me tell you about the compassion of Jesus. <laughs> yes, let me tell you about the one who can change your yeah. life and how he's changed my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen to that. And I think, again, it's a lie of, a, of our modern age that we must resist is that when empathy requires uh, affirmation, yeah, right, um, or when love requires affirmation, you know, or acceptance, mm-hmm. um, uh, of a disordered desire, right? We're talking about within the kingdom of God, yeah. within the values of the kingdom, and if that's true, well, then God can't love us if he doesn't accept our disordered desires. But he doesn't accept our disordered desires. Amen. Yep. The scriptures keep calling us out of it. I mean, mm-hmm. Paul's words here today, literally, I mean, the Greek phrase that he uses 
is dikaio, or the Greek word he uses, dikaio, which means justified. Mm. It's a legal designation. Well, if God loves us, but ha- but the only way he can love us is to affirm our disordered desires, well, then we don't need justified from anything. No, nope, because everything's good. Because it's all good. Yep. And there's nothing wrong, and there's nothing broken. And, and there's nothing true, and there's, there's nothing, yep. Yeah, yep. I mean, wait, so, yep. so Paul doesn't seem to think that, mm. right? And, and, and the Gospels don't present that reality. So in order to love somebody, it does not mean we have to affirm their disordered desires. God loves us and doesn't affirm our disordered desires. To have empathy with somebody doesn't mean we have to affirm or accept. Or I mean, mm. we use these words that are interchangeable, and they really get muttered in our, muddled in our modern conversation. And I think that's where it's important. I love this dialogue, mm. you know, that it forces us, okay, what does it mean then to be empathetic? I think another question that came in was, can we empathize with both the accused and the accuser? So in this passage, we've got somebody doing the accusing mm. and someone being accused. Paul and his companions are being accused. Mm. And then this group of historically Jewish folks in the synagogue are jealous and riled up. Uh, I love the word here. Uh, um, uh, Paul actually, Luke lets us know that they, uh, they, they motivated the influential members of society. Yeah, to they go did. Do it. Yep, yep. And uh, to do the riling. Up. <laughs> and we're going to see in coming weeks that the, the Jews from Antioch and, and, mm. and, and from Poseidon, all these places and Lystra, they're, they're pursuing Paul and his companions to, to, to wage to wage conflict against them mm-hmm. you know so they're 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 going to be accusing them for quite some time mm-hmm. but can we empathize can we feel for mm-hmm. and feel what both parties are feeling I think yeah mm-hmm. and, and I think it's a gospel principle that we need to feel mm-hmm. for both of them yeah. um, you know what I mean how do I go into a conversation with somebody if I can't put myself in their shoes or if I'm unwilling to put myself in their shoes mm-hmm. Um, and we look at the and we look at the the characters here in the in the passage. I mean, I don't know about you. Can you can you identify or can you empathize with those that are accusing Paul? I think, especially as you teased it out during the sermon, it was really easy to, again, as we're doing the empathetic yeah. work in the sermon as we receive it, thinking about well, why would they be? Yeah. Why would they be deflated, defeated, yeah. frustrated, jealous by the fact that this? gospel, this God yeah. has now been offered to everyone. Well, hang on. You come from the people that killed my grandparents. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This can't be for you too. Yeah. Come on. This is like the one thing we have. Yeah. Um, so absolutely. And I think especially as we engage with any text in scripture, it's important to try and understand like, you know, the broader context, but also, yeah, empathizing with yeah. the people. Um, I think that's really helpful when you see the the harsher critiques that Jesus offers yeah. in his gospels. Uh, that was a, a helpful thing for me when I realized when he would approach the Pharisees, Sadducees or whomever and mm-hmm. call them a, vipers or whatever. You brood you know? of vipers. Yeah. Um, um, that didn't mean that Jesus didn't love them. In no. fact, he deeply loved them and was calling them out yeah. to something better. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, I think that's very helpful. And to know that from the very beginning, yeah, that's been God's heart. Now, I don't yeah. know if the question has to do, this could be, you know, the can of worms yeah. with, with the accuser, yeah. you know, that that's a, that's a big old philosophical <laughs> theological question, but I think yeah. at least in, in the, in the playing field of, of humanity, yeah, God has always been about bringing, yeah. Mankind back yeah. to himself. Yeah. And that all different cultures and all different peoples. And yeah. 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 So I think in this text, I can empathize with those who are accusing mm-hmm. because 
on multiple levels, they're being displaced. Mm -hmm. I can empathize with that. I understand how that feels. Not because I had their shared experience. Mm. I don't. Mm. I didn't grow up as a Jew in the first century. Mm -hmm. I don't have that experience. But I can empathize, especially on the spiritual plane of how the gospel calls me out. It Mm -hmm. dethrones me. I get that. I get that that feels what that feels like because it happens inside of me. I can also empathize with those being accused. Paul, right? I, I can I can understand what it feels like to be ostracized for the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To be rejected, to have relationships broken because of the gospel. Yeah. So I can I can feel in, in for both contexts there. And I think it's important that we do that hard spiritual work, like you said, that hard work of uh, of really feeling for somebody else. Yeah. And that's important spiritual work. I think it leads into this other question here. I know we're really, I love, I mean, there's a, we had great questions in the, uh, in the services. And so yeah. go back and rewatch the teaching yeah. time or whatever. Yeah. Um, if you want to get those questions, but there's another question that I think really, um, was spurred on by this is, you know, what does it mean then for, uh, the LGBTQIA whole mm. conversation? If we're to, mm. if we're to be empathetic, Again, does that mean we affirm mm. or how do we live well? How do we love well? And, uh, you know, that's, that's a hard, that's a hard conversation, right? Um, but again, if, if in order to be empathetic, I don't have to affirm disorder desires, well, that allows me to do the hard work of walking in and going, let me, let me be a friend to you. Mm. You know, I mean, as you think about chewing through those hard issues, you know, Chris, how do you how do, how do you empathize? Not necessarily in, in that sphere necessarily, but how do you do the hard work? What's the skill that you do in order to feel what someone else is feeling? I think it goes right back to what we started talking about at the very beginning. is just, just yeah. doing a, a, a good introspective look before yeah. you even enter any conversation. Um, who am I? Yeah. Uh, how did I sin today? Yeah. What kind of sinful thoughts have I had? Uh, what has Jesus redeemed me from and what is he still yeah sanctifying me from what is he still working out yeah. in me if i am thinking more about that and thinking somebody once somebody once reminded me to remember who the enemy is yeah and it's not this person across the table from me yeah who maybe either has said hurtful things about me or about a caricature about me or yeah. has felt hurt by me or yeah. by the church or, or, or whatever that is, they're not the enemy. Yeah. The enemy is the enemy of our souls and the, yeah. and, and uh, the one that wants to kill, steal and destroy. destroy. Yeah. And uh, if I can keep that right perspective in mind, who am I in light of God, mm-hmm. in light of his holiness, which yeah. is why we sang only a holy God today. Yeah. Um, can I keep that at the forefront of my mind and, um, and then walk in with that perspective? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I love that again. It's that, it's that work and you just, uh, how you encouraged our, our, our folks here and encouraged me here. And this is to, to actively put myself in the posture of, of thinking through both who am I, let me evaluate, let me let scripture be a mirror to my own heart. Yeah. And then uh, how do I see myself in that other person? And I think even when we talk about, really sticky or pertinent cultural issues, cultural mm-hmm. questions. I mean, the LGBTQIA question is is one that's right there on the forefront for all of us to answer. I think what's important is for us not to make secondary things main things. Mm. What is man's main problem? Mm. 
It's not our gender. It's not our sexuality. It's not our politics. It's not this, the football teams that we root for. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> both of ours are gone, so yeah, we're both, good. Of, both yeah. of ours are out of the playoffs. Uh. Um, but uh, but it, is, it is that at our very centered core, we've rejected God. Mm. And, and from that comes a whole, whole mess, a whole litany of disordered desires. And there's no chance for those disordered desires to be redeemed or remade without Jesus. Yeah. So what is man's greatest need? Well, it's, it's to see the goodness of Jesus mm-hmm. and to come to faith through the gospel and to enter into eternal life. And then once we enter into eternal life, then God begins to work at each and every one of us mm-hmm. and redeeming those things. And some of those struggles, some of those temptations, some of those things, they take a lifetime Right. Yeah. We see healing in part, maybe not healing in, uh, completely, and, and so we're going to struggle with them in, in different ways. And so, but I think as we are willing to empathize with folks, we're able to walk into that deep, gracious work of God in each and every one of us. Mm-hmm. And and that's a good place to be because otherwise, the trap for us on the other side is moral perfection, and we begin to be blinded by the, the idea that, oh, I really did it. Mm. I cleaned myself up. Mm-hmm. I got it right. And the, and the truth is the God, the heart of the gospel is, no, you didn't. None of us did. And so I think that's the importance is, is again, I love the conversation we had here today. And there's, like I said, with lots of other questions that came in, um, but there's, this was a big one, but I think that's the importance of empathy in our lives here is to go, man, let's keep the grace of God centered and let's be focused on what man's ultimate greatest need is. And that is, that is to hear, hear and respond to the gospel. Outside of that, there is no life, yeah. and so, um, so, so, yeah. How do we, uh, how do we then again positions us to love others, yeah, well, and to truly love others well, and that's our primary goal in mm-hmm. any conversation. Yeah, love well. Yeah, extend the gospel through yeah. that. Yeah, love. Yep, empathize, compassion. Yep. Yeah, we don't save, we don't fix. Nope, God does. Mm-hmm. So let's let's give a good billboard picture. Mm. of the God who can do amazing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Chris, well, thanks man for this good conversation just a, a, around me. this concept. I know as we uh, kind of went here and there with the concept of, uh, of empathy, but I think it's an important one, especially when we walk in the cultural conversations that we're in um, and it's important to define our terms. So yeah. thanks brother. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. All right. We'll see you next Sunday. And we've got some baptisms next on us. That'll be exciting to hear about what, how Jesus has changed people's lives. So please join us uh, in service online uh, for that, to hear those wonderful testimonies. And we'll have another conversation around the scriptures here at the Beyond the Sermon podcast. See you next week.